Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I want to read a few verses of Scripture. In fact, it's almost a whole chapter, but (laughs) verses 1 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. And just share a few little thoughts on how ministry is a journey. But that actually ministry is a gift. It's a gift that God gives to the church. And during this section here, we're gonna you're gonna hear the fivefold ministry as many refer to it. But there's but Paul also talks about uh, many other ministries that are active in the church, like administrations, the gifts of helps, so the even giving is a gift. And so those of you that are setting on your millions of dollars learn that giving is a gift. God has actually given you the ability to be a great giver. And so, you know, everything about our life should be a gift back to God. And everything that we do should be a gift to him, service. We work with one another, and we may call it serving one another, but The gifts that God gives and puts in the church are for the edification and the building up of the church because we are all one body. We are all family. Sometimes we're family, we're a little tighter than maybe other groups, but we are part of God's family. And he is our Heavenly Father, and he expects us to love each other, support each other, and to help each other. Amen? Ephesians, I'm going to go ahead and read the 16 verses, then make some comments. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And then Paul, there's this parenthetical, insurgent here because he's referring back to how that Christ descended into the lower parts of the earth and come up uh, after preaching to the Old Testament saints but he said now he ascended but what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might feel all things now he's going back to his main thought and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by which every joint supplies, by what every joint supplies, whatever. How many of you know you have a joint? And I'm not talking about the grassy joint. We all have joints, and some of our joints ache, don't they? But we're all a part of the body. We are all joints in the body. According to the effectual, effective working by which every part does its share. And it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I've often made the statement, and those of you that are in ministry here through the church that I work with over the years, you've heard me say, ministry is a journey. It is not a destination. Whenever I started in ministry, I was at a little uh, house over on, on MacArthur Road. It's a place called Eureka Springs Church of God. I'm so thankful that was not my destination. It was a part of the experience that I had four years there. God taught me much about myself. He taught me much about the church world, but that was not my destination. Because we went from there to Timberlake, went from Timberlake to Rockfish, went from Rockfish to Hope Mills, went from Hope Mills to here, went here back to Timberlake. I just kind of have these circles go around here. And, you know, and, and of course, being a full-time chaplain keeps me very busy. But when I started in ministry work, I didn't even know what hospice meant. I, don't even, I couldn't even honestly say I'd heard the word more than a few times. And here now for the last 25 years, it has been an integral part of my work and my life's calling. Whenever I was getting started in ministry uh, many years ago, Harvey Turlington was still the pastor of this church. Now, many of you remember Brother Harvey. He was my great uncle. And uh, he started the church here in the early 50s. I think they were chartered around 52. And it's times like this, I miss Odell because he knew all that history. But all of that was a part of the journey. It was not a destination. For you see that whenever you're in this ministry and you're in this journey and for all of you that feel any calling or any part of the journey you're on you have to understand there is certain things that happens along the way that affects us and how that we respond but the most important thing that happens in ministry is that you have to realize who you're following and we are following Jesus Christ we are called to follow him just recently, Brenda and I were reading, and actually a couple of times in the Gospels, you know, Jesus talks about he sends out his disciples, and, you know, he gives them power to cast out demons and to raise the dead and to perform miracles of healing. And when you look at that, and then, you know, he had his 12, and then later he sends 70 out, two by two, and he gave them the same power. And what we understand there is that Christ imparted some of his power and ability because they had not yet received the fullness of the Holy Spirit baptism. So 
he is imparting part of his power to them. And they go out, and boy, they're casting out devils, raising the dead, healing the sick, and doing all kinds of things. And they come back to Christ rejoicing, saying, Lord, look what we've done. We've done all this. But why did Jesus tell those disciples, do not rejoice in the signs, do not rejoice in the miracles, do not rejoice, he said, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So what he's telling them is that the, the journey of ministry that you're on is important and the things that you do is important, but the most important thing is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that you are following me, that you are following me. So in this spiritual journey, and even as Paul talks here in Ephesians, one of the first and foremost things is that we have to be followers of Christ. And then we have to continue to grow in grace. And what I mean by growing in grace is that we learn as we go through life that God is much more gracious than what we give him credit for. I am so thankful that God is merciful. Because if he wasn't, I'd have been done a long time ago, <laughs> and most of us all would have been. But he is merciful. He is gracious. And as we, we talk about growing in grace, and I'm not talking about growing in the power and ability to cast out devils and all this. I'm talking about learning the depth of God's love for us. I was talking to a fellow minister recently, and he was talking about, we were talking about liberals and conservatives in the political world, church world, every world. And uh, he said, yeah, I've become a liberal. And several others that were standing around looking at him, and I knew what he was talking about because he and I had had a private conversation, but a couple of other ministers standing around looking at him, he said, I have learned that God's grace is much more liberal than I ever understood it to be. <laughs> and... And that is so true, but that is growing in grace and that we learn that God loves us with such a depth of love that we can't comprehend it. The older y'all get, the more you're involved. All of you that are here, you will learn that as long as you continue to follow Christ. We also have to grow in knowledge in this ministry journey. We have to continue to learn. I am glad that Aaron and Heather do not know all that they're going to know. Get that? Jonathan and Rebecca will continue to learn. Rebecca's going to continue to learn. Valerie. Those that were here like Ronnie and Derek. Derek and Connie have learned a whole lot pastoring that church up in Johnsonville. But we're going to continue to grow, and we've got to continue to learn. I can tell y'all right now, I know a whole lot. I know a lot more right now than I knew when I left Spona Road in 2018 <laughs> because we're ever learning. We're growing in that knowledge and understanding. And I know uh, Pastor Aaron and Heather, they both have a heart to learn. They go to conferences and go places. And uh, he was at the state minister's meeting this week. We learned things at the state minister's meeting. Uh, you know, but the, the programs they get involved in, things to do. We have to continually push ourselves to grow and learn because without that, we'll be behind. And once you get behind, you're just behind. If when you get behind in the race, it's a lot harder to catch up than it is to continue at a steady pace. So we have to grow in knowledge and understanding it. 
But another very important part about this ministry journey is our relationships. We have to grow in our relationships because our first and foremost relationship, of course, is with Jesus Christ. But he has a relationship, they have a relationship with every one of you here. Some of it's different. I mean, you know, mom and pop sitting back there. Grandma and grandpas, aunts and uncles, cousins and nephews. But all of you that are here, like I said earlier, we're all part of the family. You know, Cora's my sister. Her skin's a little bit shaded dark, but she is my sister. Hey, Sister Cole. <laughs> we have that relationship, and we have to grow in our relationships. But we learn to, to be together and to grow together and to work together. And that's why I love when a church takes the time to do what you're doing today, because a pastor needs to know that he's loved, he's respected, and that you care for him. Did you know one of the worst things... And, and this goes back in history. Eight times a lot different now, but back in, in the old days when I was young and Bobby was young, people were bad about talking about pastors. Judy, you remember too, you and Leon, y'all over there laughing, but you remember that. People were bad about talking about pastors. If you didn't preach a fire, baptize, Holy Ghost filled sermon, get home and said, boy, he's lost it. He ain't got it, you know, no more. You know, if he, he said something, pastors had it tough because people had high expectations and those expectations were unrealistic. And so we had many people that just many men in ministry just, you know, they would finally burn out and they would get bitter, sometimes get angry. I know some that even today, God help them, they're, they're just bitter in their hearts. Part of that was because of the relationships and because people did not recognize they were human. I hate to disappoint y'all. Aaron and Heather's not perfect. They're not. They're good. But they're not perfect. Punch the person next to you and say, you're not perfect either. <laughs> We're not going to achieve perfection in this world. We achieve walking with Jesus Christ and let him be the perfect one. He's the one that covers our sins. He's the one that forgives us. He's the one that empowers us. But people used to roast the preacher every day on Sunday lunch. And critique it. Talk about it. And then they wondered why their kids didn't want to go to church. In the home I grew up in, you know, we never had a bad pastor. <laughs> now, I, you know, learned later in life when I got a little older that there was some problems with a couple of them, but uh, before Brother Wilson came. <laughs> but, but my mom and dad never ever talked around the dinner table about anything going on in church. I thought church people were perfect. And if I saw something or heard of something, I'd go to mom. She would just kind of say, well, you know, they're struggling right now. Just pray for them or that kind of thing. Well, of course, later on in life, I learned it was a little different, but it made me appreciate their attitude toward the respect of the authority that God had put in the church. 
And that's what she instilled in us, was you respect the position regardless of what you think of the person who's in that position. You respect the position. And this is what Paul's talking about here. Christ gave the gifts of ministry to the church for the edifying of the body, for the building up the body. Notice what he also says, that we will be the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men. Now, this couple's smart. They're not going to deceive you. But you need to be smart that somebody on the television or on YouTube channel or through some iPod doesn't deceive you. Get what I'm saying? You have the same responsibility to grow in grace and knowledge and understanding as the minister does. God puts the different ministries in place, but then each and every one of us are personally accountable for the time we spend learning. Do you know that Dr. Google, Dr. Google's real internet thing, can tell you 42 things that are wrong with you if you just type in a symptom. I was talking to my, he's actually only a PA, but he's been good to me for 20 years. Uh, he's my doctor as far as I'm concerned. But uh, we were talking one day and he said, Dr. Google has really hurt a lot of people by misdiagnosing their ailments. But he said, uh, I asked him, I said, when they come in, I said, how many people? He said, almost everybody. He said, he said, it's commercials. If you have this symptom, ask for this drug. He said, they'll come in, they want this particular drug or that drug. And you come to find out all they got is a sore toe. Take two aspirin and stay off your toe for a couple of days. <laughs> the same thing can be said about Bible. You can have a question about the Bible you can type it in, and in less than half a second, it'll give you two and a half million references to answer your question. And you can start scanning, and you can start looking. I've done it. When I had a question about, you know, you, something would pop up, and I'd say, well, let's see what Google says, and just do a little research on it and find a little something. But people can be so easily deceived but when you have a leader in place that is studying the word and a couple that is wanting to lead you spiritually, when you have a deep question, you can ask them. Because you know what's going to happen if they don't know? They're going to ask Brother Bobby Wilson. <laughs> or he's going to call me. <laughs> That's good. That's what it's supposed to be. It's what we learn. But don't, you know, you, this is a gift that God has put in the church. Google, I think sometimes it's a gift in some ways. It's a curse in others. <laughs> you know, worth all the searches and all. But you have a couple that God has put here to be those leaders and to help you, to encourage you. Like I said, with the preaching on the Internet and stuff like that, you can get, you know, uh, Aaron's a great speaker and Heather's, Probably a notch a little bit above him. Uh, and I love when they do their 
team speaking together, and I watch the times, and Michelle, you're good too. I'm not leaving you out because you're a minister. And when they speak, they, they share something. They give you something. Uh, the group here from Spona Road, I always brag. I still brag on I brag on Valerie all the time. She don't hear me because I don't get to see her often, but I brag on you. Got great wisdom to be young folks. But they're still on this journey. They're on that ministry journey. And the older they get, the wiser they're going to get. Isn't that great to know? The day will come, I can just quit. I said, boy, that crowd's too smart for me. Just <laughs> No, we don't do that. That was a joke. But you can get up on Sunday morning and start at 7 o'clock. And there's six different preachers I watch about every Sunday morning. The Hagees are together, but it's one show, but each one of them take a turn to preach. You can get all the preaching that you can get, but there ain't nothing, nothing like sitting in this pew, hearing a couple that's been called by God to share a word and to be with you. I don't say don't listen to the people, you know, listen to the podcast, listen to the, you know, you get your favorite preachers, listen to them, but there ain't nothing like being in God's house, hearing a man and woman of God, a family of God, bringing the word that God's laid on their hearts. Ain't nothing like that. So a lot of people are missing out because, and we can blame it on COVID or whatever, some, most times it's just laziness, but a lot of people are missing out on this fellowship because they're just whatever. I started saying because they're too lazy, but I don't want to be too judgmental because, you know, that the Internet stuff, Facebook Live, all that serves a purpose because there are some people who are not physically able to come to church. I have several patients that they watch, they get their spiritual strength from watching their church on Facebook Live, and that's good. But they also have people from the church that visit them, and they have a pastor that calls them. And then right now they have a hospice chaplain that comes to see them. So they're still having that support in a physical touch. They're not able to be in church. But if you're able to get up and go hiking two and a half miles on a Friday, like me and Brenda did, we could get up on Sunday morning and drive across town to come to church. Amen. That was a good time to shout, clap your hands, or do something, you know. <laughs> But we have people that, that have just gotten lazy and don't want to come to church. This couple has to deal with that. You say, well, why? Because their concern is for their souls. Their concern is that those folks will get reattached. It's not for the numbers. If it just wanted for the numbers, you could set Bruce out there and let him count every car that goes by. All during church and say we had 183 people come through Sapona Road today. <laughs> well, this road ain't quite that busy. We might have to put them down here on Cedar Creek Road. <laughs> it's not about the numbers. It's about the relationships with people. 
this ministry journey they're on. It's a gift that God has given to this church. I'm not speaking bad about any former pastor, okay? When I came here in 2010, um, this was the third church I'd pastored, and I had preached, those of you that were here, remember I had preached some during that summer after Brother Wilburn had passed. But I asked Brother Odell, I said, Brother O'Dell, I mean, I think this was the first Sunday I was here, the first Wednesday night. I said, you know, I'm new, although I've known about the church. I need to know the sacred cows. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with the term sacred cows, you know, in India, they have the Brahma bulls, which is against the law for anyone to kill. They'll starve to death while the cow's eating the food. So a sacred cow is that thing that any incoming pastor will get in hot water if he does. There was two things he told me. He said, we always do homecoming the last Sunday of October. <laughs> so I noticed you're keeping that cow going. <laughs> he said, and we don't loan our tables out from the fellowship hall. That was when they were kind of brand new. So then I asked him the next question. I said, okay, another question. If I wanted to call a former pastor back to speak, is there someone I should avoid? <laughs> well, those of you that remember Brother Odell knew he was wise with his words, and he stood there for a moment. He said, no, nah, I got along with all of them pretty good. He said, but there's one. He mentioned his name. I ain't going to call his name. He said, but there's one. If you have him come back, I'll find somewhere else to go that Sunday. <laughs> All right, got, got the point, got the point. But just like in his leadership ability, he was a gift to this church. Uh, those of you that have been here a long time, you're a gift to this church. Those of you that are new, you're a gift to this church. But God has put this gifted couple in charge and has called them to be responsible for the spiritual direction of this church. So listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to their heart. Because I know, you know, in the past we had, and this hurt the church of God as a whole, but we had this view that there were certain churches being used as stepping stones. If a church was kind of in the average range of 40 to 60 or whatever, uh, people would go to those churches and they would use that church to try to, in a year or two, negotiate for a bigger church. It was always trying to get somewhere, you know, and, and that would be the, the ultimate goal. Well, then what happens is you have churches, unfortunately, like Sapona Road, that had like, what, 16 pa uh, pastors in 20 years. And so we, had, we have other churches. There's, I know of one church right now that's down to four people, and they had 32 preachers in 35 years. And a lot of those were, it wasn't because the people were so bad, but a lot of it was people used that church as a stepping stone to try to get to a bigger church. I praise God that that era is pretty well gone. Most of the ministers that I know of today, they just have a heart to get into a place somewhere and just work and do the Lord's work. We need to work with those people. We need to work with this couple and others who just want to do the Lord's work. 
They're not looking for promotion. They're not looking for advancement. They're not looking for, you know, the next big step. They're not looking for that destination because they realize that ministry is the journey. It's what we do along the way. Brenda mentioned about us going into that coal mine in Beckley. Now, there ain't no way I'd have died. I'd just, if, I, if I'd had to work in coal mines, I'd just said, Lord, kill me now. Uh, first of all, I'm way too big to be that far down underground. <laughs> and, you know, and some of those coal veins are, you know, about like that, you know, just two and a half, three feet. And he was talking about how some of them, you know, they have those big augers they would have to drill into the coal to blast it loose. And he said, sometimes you had to lay on your side and push your belly against that auger to drill that hole. And then you set the charges, you had to crawl back a ways, blow it up, and then go dig it out. <laughs> we were about 2,000 feet or so into that mine. And, and, and they had fixed it up. The city of Beckley fixed it up where, you know, which the man said, don't stand up, don't raise your hand or you'll have a bad day because, <laughs> you know, it's not a huge open vein, but they had fixed it up a little bit. But he gets us down in there and he tells us about the lights and how in the old days, the miners, they had actually used like kerosene lamps and they had to refill them every hour, hour and a half. And uh, can you imagine that kerosene burning in a coal mine and stinking and all that stuff? But and, and I kind of thought to myself, fire around coal? I mean, you know, but uh, the, they uh, had a lot of, back in the early turn of the century, they averaged over 2,000 deaths a month throughout all the coal mining industry in America. Uh, and so he was talking, but he, he was talking about the lights. And he said, I'm going to show you all what it looks like. He turned the lights off in that cave. You could literally, you know, you talk about can't see your hand in front of your face. I had my hand like that. You couldn't, I mean, I knew I could there there because I could hit myself. <laughs> but you could not see nothing, nothing. It was total, total darkness. But when he lit that one small little lamp, it was like it lit up the, the whole little train that we had there and all the folks, you could see their faces and you could see the little holes. One small little lamp. And it gave off that light. But it made me think about how we're in a darkened world. And we're in a world where, you know, my generation coming up, we had to worry about makeup and jewelry. We kind of transitioned through that phase, praise God. So, you know, and then we come into the contemporary music. Well, we survived that phase. <laughs> Amen. I mean, when was the last time you heard a sermon on makeup and jewelry? <laughs> or going to the movies? You know, I was 16 years old, felt like an infidel because I snuck off and went to a movie. <laughs> yeah, well, we came through that. You know, I, you know, as a young minister, I, I worked through that. You know, I have great respect. You know, y'all have heard me talk about Brother James Wilson. He was my mentor. He was tough. He was a good leader. But even he learned over the years how to to be a little more tolerant <laughs> towards some things, but he held his convictions. I held my convictions, but I learned certain things that I ain't gonna deal with. But now this generation, God help you. 
I mean, really, God did not help them. I mean, I didn't have to worry about boys thinking they were girls and girls thinking they were boys. I didn't have to worry about, you know, the, the gay marriages or being asked to perform a ceremony like that. I didn't, there was so much I didn't have to deal with as a younger minister. And, but they're going to face it because this world is getting darker. But in all of that darkness, I thought about the one light and how much brightness that one light gave off. If Sapona Road catches on fire for Jesus, you're going to be a light to a dark world. We can't save everybody. It's not even our responsibility to save everybody. It's not our duty to save them. Our duty is to shine the light of Jesus Christ and let the Lord be the one that draws them. He gives us power to do things, and we're empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we can pray for people to be healed, and they be healed. Uh, we can pray for people to be delivered, and they be delivered. Uh, we can, can touch them, anoint them, help them, encourage them, and strengthen them. But it's the light of Jesus Christ that's going to draw them to a saving knowledge of God. Be the light. Be the light to this dark world. You will be surprised at the people that God will put in your path. I was so touched by the testimony of the young man who stood up in the back this past Wednesday and talked about how Ramona had helped him when he was what, in the second grade. But that today his children are in church and you can trace it back because of her sharing the light of Jesus Christ to him a long time ago. We don't know the number of people that we're going to touch, impact, influence, but that's why we've got to be Christ in this world of darkness. That's why we have got to let the love of Jesus shine through us. The greatest scripture in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed on him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Our job is to live that scripture. Even Christ himself then said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. So even Jesus didn't come to bring the condemnation. He come to bring deliverance. Jesus died. He rose again. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon his disciples. Then he called apostles. He called prophets. He called evangelists. He called pastors. He called teachers to build up that body that we can be effective in this world. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.